0: what is up what is good how you living how you feeling how you doing the divisional round is done the conference championship is here and i have brian westbrook and crack daddy on the same pod and david ingber with his luscious razor ramon curls it is time i didn't get to talk to you guys because of mlk shout out to martin luther king jr uh ingber
1: westbrook did you did we miss each other i missed you did you miss me I did miss you a little bit. I mean, usually my Mondays is uh, it involves watching football games and then coming on the pod and talking to you and my best friend about football and all the different things that has gone on in our life over the weekend. And I and I always look forward to that. And this Monday was not the same, but I was certainly happy uh, to, to celebrate MLK, uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, birthday and holiday and all that other stuff. And So I certainly was excited about that. you miss Westbrook?
2: Of course I did. And uh, I just want to shout out to my poker friends who were giving me a lot of crap last week when I was crowing about my victory last Monday. They were thinking, oh, Dave's going to wake up on Monday and start boasting about it on the podcast. Turns out I had to wait until Wednesday to boast about my wins again. So if you're listening, I didn't realize how many of my poker friends listen to this podcast, but there's a few of them. And uh, in the text chain, they were getting a little, little salty. And you know what? I'm up. I'm up monetarily. So I'm going to keep talking about it on this podcast. I can't Maybe help it. Maybe
0: they're listening for little tells or strategy <laughs>
2: accidentally
0: give away, you know, the way that
2: this is where I give away all my best info. Yes.
1: So you're winning um, in the poker game. Huh? I like that.
2: I am. I'm having a great month. Great, great 2021. See, so far. That's
1: what I'm talking yeah. about. Man,
0: we're winning. See, that's what happens. You do the push-ups in 2020. You get the gains in 2021. That's how that works. Uh, Westbrook, uh, Four games happened over the weekend, so we're going to do a quick recap. We're going to talk about some of the other storylines that are going on that are non-playoff related. Then we're going to take a look at the conference championship games. Um, of the four games, Lamar gets hurt. Josh Allen advances on uh, the defense, though, with Leslie Frazier, really contained <laughs> Baltimore's <laughs> offense. Uh Jared Goff's thumb in the cold an issue Aaron Rodgers, the yeah. MVP, looking really like... This is the last NFC Championship game he's been to since last year, but he hasn't been in the Super Bowl since 2011, and he's giving me those vibes again. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had the Chiefs with a big time scare with Patrick Mahomes and that concussion. Uh, Chad Henney pulls out some incredible. I'm seeing Westbrook tweeting. Uh, we're gonna get to that in a second, and then uh, the other one was Drew Brees. Thank you. Tom Brady looked amazing, uh, looking very young, and what looks to be maybe the final game of Drew Brees' career, but the Bucks' defense was great, and it looks like they're getting back Vita Veya. Uh, Westbrook, of the four games, which one did you miss talking about on Monday the most?
1: Ah. <sighs> uh- you know, probably about Lamar and and that that Ravens offense and, and playing against the Bills. I, I I was interested in that game because I, I thought the excitement and what they built as far as confidence or winning their first playoff game the week before would have carried into this game. And and I was thinking that Lamar would find a way to to be able to throw the ball a little bit better than he did in that in in, in that game. And so. It's just tough to watch his development, and and I thought he developed enough to be able to carry that football team when they needed him to throw the football. But, But we're still watching a young man, again, emphasis on very young quarterback in the NFL, and he has to improve. The good thing is I think he improved from last year to this year. I think he has to take another jump, and part of that is going to be the offensive system is going to have to improve. His quarterback is, is going, certainly going to have to improve, and they're going to have to find another weapon. They need big receivers in Baltimore, and right now they don't have those type of receivers to make Lamar a better quarterback at this point. We saw
0: the the... Um... Um, excuse me, the Ravens' defense find a way to contain Derrick Henry. Mm -hmm. The next week, Buffalo found a way to contain Lamar Jackson. I thought the thing that I took away from that game was just how fast and smart the Bills' defense is. Uh, Their linebackers, uh, Tremaine Emmons, Milano's looking healthy. Uh, But really, it's their safeties to me. Poyer and Micah Hyde are all over the place. Mm -hmm. And they're so multiple that... I'm curious. I mentioned on the on the betting pod that no team allowed more receptions to tight ends more than the Buffalo Bills. So Travis Kelsey, you would think is in line to have another big game, but with all those linebackers and all those safeties, I I do think it's interesting, and I I'm excited that we're going to get a matchup of the, clearly the two best teams in the AFC this year: Bills Chiefs is two stud quarterbacks athletic can throw the ball a mile. We, we, we joke all the time who can throw Mm further Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes, but also it's the tenacity of the defenders. Chris Jones is special. Tyron Matthew is special. There are guys on that Bill's defense that are special. I'm, I'm very excited. Um, but I I think that's what I took was the Bill's defense in that game. I'm going to transition to the game that I wanted to talk about, which was the chiefs, uh, first and foremost, um, everything that I'm hearing is Patrick Mahomes was very okay soon after uh, the concussion uh, to the point where I'm told that he, he felt like fine, but because of how visible it was of, and how unconscious he was and the failed concussion test, he couldn't come in. He's doing a light walkthrough in practice today. I know that's being recorded. We're doing this on Wednesday. Uh, I have the confidence that he's going to be in, but for me, what set the tone in that game, Westbrook, well, Mahomes goes out, he goes up, his legs aren't working. Chad Henney comes in and the very first play, he claps and the whole team does an audible shift, handoff mm-hmm. first down. Mm-hmm. And it was almost like the Andy Reid, Eric Bienemy, Mike Kafka went out there and they were like, we're going to show you just how in tune all of our quarterbacks are with this offense. And we saw this last year with Matt Moore, and then we saw it with Chad Henney. And then the plays at the end, the the run on third and 14 and the throw to Tyree kill. Uh, it really gave me a lot of respect for the coaching staff uh, after watching that.
1: You know, I had a crazy stat. I was looking this up just yesterday last night, and we're talking about intended air yards, right? So it doesn't really matter whether the pass was completed or not completed. Patrick Mahomes in that game, 6.1 yards, Chad Henney, 9.9 yards, right? And so, and you talk about completed he took
0: that shot right in that, for that last yeah, drive, yeah,
1: deep. yeah. So, completed air yards Patrick Mahomes, five point uh, this is on completions, 5.5 yards. Henny was 6.0. The the, the truth is that Andy Reid, Eric, the they didn't care who the quarterback was, they saw opportunities versus that defense. Obviously, you look at the fourth and one play there. Um, and they said, We're going to take advantage, we're going to play to our strengths, and whatever quarterback is in there, whether it's, it's Henny, whether it's Patrick Mahomes. We're gonna find holes in that offense, and it also shows you, Andy Reid, a quarterback whisperer in my mind, has confidence in whoever's in there. But he's gonna run the offense, and the 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 courage that it took to go for it on fourth and one at that part of the field, at that part in the game, just shows you the confidence that Andy Reid has in his offense. And then I'll tell you this: I don't think he had that type of confidence when he was in Philadelphia. It takes a guy like. Chad, I mean, takes a guy like Patrick Mahomes and the talent that he has around him, uh, Chad Henney, in this case, to be able to pull that type of thing off.
2: I saw this thing from uh, Field Yates on Twitter that the Chiefs are now hosting their third consecutive uh, AFC championship game. And it's only the first time that a team has hosted the championship game three years Mm -hmm. in a row since 2002 to 2004. You know who was the coach back then? Andy Reid. Andy Reed. Yep. <laughs> Andy Reed. He's the, the only evening. person to have done it in NFL history, yep. and he did it twice. Yep.
0: Much different results.
2: <sighs> yes, but uh, you know, if you love Andy Reed, that's a that's a pretty dynamite stat to show this I guy's talent I, and longevity.
0: We, we've talked about Andy Reed so much, obviously, because Westbrook played for him. But when I talk to members of the Chiefs, Andy Reed right now is in that awesome zone as a coach. Aaron Rodgers is in this zone as a player where the game is slowed down and his physical abilities are still there. Yeah. And because of that, he can be super confident and smile because it's that slow. Andy Reid has that as a coach right now where he has all of his players' trust and they think he's really smart. And sometimes you have the players' coach that they don't think can scheme up or the scheming coach that doesn't have the the, the team's heart. Andy Reid, I mean – they love him yeah you know and I, I i think the big red nickname is a part of it and just how he is but um andy reed is in that sweet spot in the movie soul he's in the, he's in that mode where uh what's it have you guys watched this movie yet no. On disney plus Not
1: yet. what no Come haven't watched it all right, they're in the zone. He's in the zone right now. And what are you He's doing watching the- Disney Plus right now? You don't even have any kids. What are you doing watching <laughs> Disney Plus? You know,
0: a lot of stuff has happened in this country, and I need to pick me up. <laughs> and when I need to pick me up, I go to Pixar. There you go. And they nailed yeah. it. Look, if you if you're not sure about your life's purpose, go watch Soul. Yeah. It'll be there. There was a questionable play for some in the game. Uh Dirty Dan uh led with his helmet. And he uh, hit, I believe it was Rashad Higgins. Uh, As he was diving into the goal line, ball popped into the end zone. uh, And because of that ball on the 20-yard line, Chiefs ball, all the momentum for the Browns gone. Uh, Before we continue, I would also like to say that uh, Chet Henney was in there since the third quarter and you still did not win. And so let's just not say that the Browns would have won, but the rule on itself David Ingber texted me almost a minute later and said, worst call in sports. Mm. This was echoed on Twitter by Rich Eisen. Uh, Everybody says it's the worst rule in sports. Uh, There's a lot of people that say it's not the worst rule in sports. Um, And because Ingber is the self-appointed czar of fun stuff in sports, uh, I was wondering, Ingber, how would you change this rule to fit your liking?
2: So first of all, just a little, little point. I didn't say it was the worst call in sports. It was the correct call. The I know rule. that it is. The, it's just a dumb rule. Uh And to me, what it comes down to is that like, If if I'm diving for the pylon and someone knocks the ball out of my hands and it goes sideways out at the half yard line, I get the ball back at the half yard line. But if they hit the ball out of my hands and it goes diagonally and nicks the pylon by one little quarter of an inch, then all of a sudden the other team gets the ball and they get 20 plus yards of field position. That to me just feels totally outsized for something that is like such a minute difference. To me that if you fumble the ball out of the end zone and obviously you need to protect against the idea of guys like at the five yard line, heaving the ball toward the end zone and getting some sort of luck. I understand that you have to protect against that, but in a case where it's so clearly an accidental fumble and someone is just over the pylon, as opposed to just over the one yard line, to me, it just feels like too much of a punishment to take away the possession and to give the other team 20 yards of field position. If you wanted to give the opposing team, the ball at the one yard line that would at least make a little bit more sense, um, or give it back to the team that fumbled it. I don't know what the correct rule would be, but like maybe at the twenty or the ten yard
3: line.
1: You know, I, Westbrook, how do you respond to this? I, I I do like the rule the way that it is, but. When you talk about taking the ball away and giving the team 20 yards, I, I can understand the, the 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 trouble there. Maybe taking the ball away and giving it to the other team, the opposing team at the one is, is a possibility. But I, I yeah. truly believe that the offensive player's responsibility is to hold on to the football until you get into the end zone in the unfortunate part here is that obviously, you know, they, they got the ball away and the other team got the ball. But to me, the rule is absolutely fine the way that it is. I wouldn't change it at all. But I can see how people would have problem with it, with kind of getting the double reward as far as getting the ball and the 20 yards. I, I can understand that. The ball probably should be at the one-yard line for the opposing team. I'll say uh, my
0: my main issue with uh, Ingber sentiment and Rich Eisen's sentiment all these people that said it's awful is – you either the end zone is either a, a different part of the field sacred
1: place or it's
0: a part of the field. It's a sacred place. And if you punt out of the, if you punt into the end zone, you get it on the 20. Mm -hmm. If you kick off out of the end zone, you get into the 20. If I intercept you in the end zone and I kneel it, I get it at the 20 or 25. I know we've changed because they're trying to get rid of concussions, but in essence, it's the similar thing. If I sack you in your end zone, or if you get a holding call in your own end zone, that's a safety. Mm-hmm. Now, but if you get sacked on the one, it does. Why do you get two points? So my thing is, I, I know that there's some people that take the argument. Well, Bill Belichick tells his players not to to, lead, to to extend it out there because he knows that this can happen. And I know a lot of running backs and wide receivers when they see someone stretch, they actually say that you're being selfish. But that's not. That's not an indication of the rule. That's people adapting to the rule. It's selfish because of the rule. I would also say that what Inger said is really my biggest fear. If you were to get rid of that penalty, that you just get it back, that people would just now it would be very entertaining, but people (laughs) would just be stretching out and diving and the quarterback like lean over shit. There's no, there's no fear then that, that you're going to, Oh, if it, if it fumbles or whatever, like if it gets knocked out, Um, I, I like the rule from this sentiment every rule change in the last 20 years has been for offense. And I like the fact that the defense has this end zone to protect that so many of the defenses in today's NFL are let them get as many yards as you want, but that zone is our zone. And if you mess up, if you do the biggest mistake in football, which is fumble in my zone, you get punished. And so I'm okay with it. Um, but it is drastic, yeah. but I, I like
1: drastic penalties. Yeah. I don't have a know? problem with the other part of that play was the helmet to helmet side of things. We actually, right. and, and so, and I got a, a little bit of a problem with the helmet to helmet side, even as an offensive player, there were a, a lot of times as I'm running a defender coming towards me, I'm lowering my shoulders shoulders and there's times where my head is leading. That's just part of that has been part of the game. And the defense does it that that's a problem that's a penalty and and really it came into play in a national championship game they ended up kicking one of the the, the guys out i believe it was for alabama yes. be, be, was it clemson no not not clemson was mm-hmm. it Clemson definitely, yeah. Who, lost a guy. Whoever it they was, lost, they lost a few over all the games. I, I just, I just, I, I I hate that rule. I hate kicking a guy out because of that. But I also, it's hard to, de- to, de- to decipher is it the offensive guy or the defensive guy Sorensen in that play in particular? It was helmet to helmet. But how else do you stop a guy when he's getting down low, leading with his helmet? How else do you stop a guy? It's almost an impossible play. I mean, I'm glad it didn't get called, but I also understand by the letter of the rules that is a helmet to helmet hit should have been punished.
0: All right. I'm excited. Ingber's retort uh, to us not wanting to change the rule. It just feels uh, sometimes as a fan, you
2: watch something and you don't necessarily have the football knowledge to say exactly why it needs to be changed. It's just one of those feelings that you get. I actually ascribe this to whether it's a catch or not, that sometimes if I, if I were to bring in a non-football fan, it's my favorite thing to do with my wife when I'm watching football, I pause it and I go, did that guy catch the ball just based on the concept that you have a, a working mental definition of a catch, right? Right if I were to just describe to her that this guy dropped the ball because someone pummeled him at the quarter of a yard line and the ball happened to spurt forward a little bit versus happened to spurt sideways, that there was just this drastically different punishment where all of a sudden the other team gets the ball automatically. And you know, like if you, if you fumble out of bounds, whoever touched it last gets that ball back. Right. Mm. But if it's into the end zone, just a teeny little bit difference, just
0: a teeny little angle and
2: difference. It's a game in the
0: words of Al Pacino. For sure,
2: uh, but it's also then a game of 20 yards that you just give free to the defense like, so, for free. It's like a bonus gift.
0: So the, the one thing I'll say too is uh, there was one tweet that made me upset, and it was Derek Carr. And Derek Carr said, yeah, why are we punishing hustle? Now, Derek is tweeting because nobody has fumbled out of the end zone in more critical moments than Derek Carr. <laughs> he is the king of the dive. But this is my issue. What about the hustle of the defensive player to get over there and make a play? Remember when? Remember when the the Seahawks forced a fu- a fumble? I think it was on Megatron, and then they punched it out of the they punched it out of the end mm-hmm, zone, and so mm-hmm. it counted like that. Like to to. To play the width of the field in a dive, that's my thing is we're always like, oh, why are we punishing the offensive player? Maybe we're rewarding the defensive player for getting over there somehow and put it, and doing a Charles Tillman peanut punch on the ball. Like, I just... I think so many times we're thinking about fantasy and scoring and offensive, and it's like the one thing a defensive player can do to like impact the score immediately.
1: Well, you are rewarding the defensive player for protecting that sacred area, that ten-yard piece of space on the field. That's that's exactly what you're doing, and that's why you get that that bonus twenty yards in the possession of the ball. So that yeah, it makes sense on that. Like,
0: I thought about, okay, well, what if you fumble out of the end zone and then you keep the ball, but you go back to the 20 and it's like a, it's like an intentional grounding. You also lose a down, you know what I mean? So if it was sure. like third and one on the one and you dive now, guess what? It's fourth and 20, fourth and goal on the 20. Yeah. Um, it,
2: there is a punishment, but you still have the opportunity to get some points. I, out of I, it as so opposed to, yeah.
0: in preparation, I listened to a few refs talk about it. And because they're going by the letter of the law Mm -hmm. and they mainly said, just to wrap this up, the big issue is so much of the end zone rules are connected to each other from the kickoff to the punt to interceptions, to all of that, that to change this one would throw the rest of them off. But Mm. we've seen rules change before. I mean, we had offensive pass interference or pass interference being reviewed last year. And this year, it's not a thing. Um, One other thing we need to review from the chiefs game is Uh, Westbrook was using an average of nine hashtags per tweet. And there were some listeners that were asking what's with all the hashtags. And so I just, Westbrook, I I had to ask you, you know, you were hashtagging chiefs, bills, Mahomes, playoffs. Vision around. Yeah. 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 What was with all the hashtags? You trying to, you know, catch an algorithm? Yeah. You know, I think
1: what is, what has happened is, um, my marketing people, went. they went back and looked at all my tweets and things and messages, and they were like, listen, you need to use more hashtags because it gathers more people. And that's what the purpose of the hashtag is." <gasps> did you notice a change? Did you notice a change? I did. You, you, when you go back and look at the numbers, the numbers say the more hashtags you use, the more of an audience wow. you capture. And that's as simple as that. Yeah. I'm, I'm a fan of the hashtag now. It.
0: All right. Okay. I got it. My, my thing though, is if you have more letters in hashtags than in your actual tweet, That's where I think it gets – it's a weird ratio. Well, yeah, there's no – You're like, wow, what a play. And then you had like a paragraph. (laughs) Well, now
1: you know exactly what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the game. It's the Bills game. They're playing against the, you know, whoever. They're playing against the Ravens. It's the division around. I
0: was confused. I thought you were watching
1: Queen's Gambit, and I was like, that was a good play. There's some information that you need to to get from the hashtag. That's what it's all about. Hashtags are important. What about
2: throwing it in? what about throwing it in like uh, organically where it's like, I'm on the couch watching hashtag buff KC. And uh, you know, like, so it's like, it's in yeah. the, and it's it, it the is
1: hashtag. hashtag a divisional game. And by the way, this is hashtag the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. May, may. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that makes it a little it's
0: Westbrook's tweets are just going to eventually become hashtag Matt a, a mad. Exactly. <laughs> okay. I just wanted to check on that. Yeah, That's good. There you go. Uh, Ingbert is, is there anything else from the divisional round? Uh, I I feel I left after Sunday night going, I feel really confident that the Packers are going to handle the bucks. I just, that's how I I left feeling. I know the bucks look good. I'm just thinking about Brady up in the cold, him being interviewed after the game. And he was like, yeah, I know my blood's getting thinner and all that. Um, And then the other side, it really all comes down to Mahomes, and I think that game is going to be – I hope it's a shootout. But how did you leave those four games, Westbrook?
1: Well, you? well, first, I, I got to give the Bills Mafia a little credit here, man. You know, obviously, uh, Lamar went out with the injury – and and they've just they're just great people up there. They donated a bunch of money, over a hundred thousand bucks to his charity. To me, that, that just tells you a little bit who they are as people. I, I I appreciated that. Obviously, I run a I run a foundation and things like that too. And so any type of money that you get in helps. But for them to give money What's to the a foundation
0: for Bill's Mafia. What's the foundation? I think
1: it's oh, my foundation, Brian, the Brian Westbrook Foundation. Yeah, we're we're helping underprivileged youth. So yeah, we we we're doing that. We've been doing that for years. You
0: gotta get you in a Bills game and get hurt hurt yes
1: yes sign me up I'll get hurt first play I guarantee you that there's no doubt about that Uh, but I thought that that was really cool shout out shout out to those people up there man Um, just being able to help out you know even though it's not going to help them tomorrow but I think that was pretty cool for them to do Um, you know it's I, I have to say this for end of a career for Drew Brees it was kind of anticlimactic. I thought that he was coming back after being out a few weeks there at towards the end of the season, and he was going to find a way to make this thing right. Thought the defense was good. You got Mike uh, Mike Thomas back, and I, I thought that they had what it took. But what we found out in that game is that his arm's dead. He just doesn't have any zip on the ball. Can't yeah, throw it past. It, they just sat at ten yards yeah. and said, "We don't believe that you can throw it past him. And and you got to talk about the defense of the Tampa Bay Bucks. Devin Bush. Excuse me, De- De- Devin White. Oh mm-hmm. my goodness, he's a he's an yeah. animal. I just love the way he plays. That's how you play the linebacker position. Um, just speed from sideline to sideline. He was there making plays in the run game as well as the pass game. It's going to be an interesting game. Another LSU linebacker
0: that comes to the NFL and doesn't miss
1: a beat. Yeah, what, what, it, what it says to me. I was talking to my buddy about this last night. We really were talking about the Eagles drafting. Listen, all you have to do in your draft to be you're 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 probably 70 percent right just go to the sec go find players out of there whoever you need go find the best player in that conference and if you do that the chances of you being right are are very very high i
0: mean if you really break it down chris jones mississippi state sec Mm -hmm. tyron matthew lsu uh on this on who's left the um the packers uh, Rashawn Gary's Notre Dame, Jay Alexander's Louisville. But if you re- you're you right. If you just draft Alabama, LSU, yeah. an occasional Clemson guy, yep. you're going to be fine. You'll be all right. You'll be all right. Meanwhile, you know, we're getting TCU over here. Ingber, um, I know that you have some conference championship stats to put some stuff in perspective, especially that of Tom Brady. The historical perspective of Tom Brady and how many conference championships he's been to is frankly. It doesn't even make sense. Uh, I'm I'm done saying that no one's going to catch him because it's obvious at this point.
2: Yeah, there are some incredible stats. And really, it's like we all know that Tom Brady has been truly incredible for 21 years, 19 that he really played. But 21 years, this is his 14th conference championship. This is from uh, Night Train Lane on Reddit. He will play in his 14th conference championship game which places him ahead of 28 other NFL franchises on the all-time conference championship wow. appearance list. That like just absolutely blew my mind. Another great one on Reddit from uh, artist D23. Tom Brady led teams are 6 and 1 versus league MVPs in playoff games. They have a chance to possibly go 7 and 1 if Aaron Rodgers ends wow. up taking home the MVP this year. It's it's really an amazing list when you look back. They beat Kurt Warner in 2001, Steve McNair in 2003, Peyton Manning, Peyton Manning in 03 and 04, LaDainian Tomlinson in 06, Peyton Manning again in 13, Matt Ryan in 2016, and Patrick Mahomes in 2018. Just an amazing way of just checking down the list of all these legendary seasons that these guys had throughout the century. You know what's interesting? 21
0: years, 14 conference championships. Two out of every three years, he's playing in the game to go to the Super Bowl.
2: And if you really think about those 21 years, that includes a rookie season. He didn't really play. And 2008, where he only played in like a quarter and a half. So if you're talking about the 19 seasons where he really played, that's 14 conference championship appearances in 19 seasons. And uh, of those nine, maybe now 10 Super Bowls.
0: Yeah. Ingber had that stat. This is Super Bowl, what, 54 that we're going into or 50. Yeah.
2: Two years ago when he made Super Bowl 53, that was his ninth appearance, which He's been in nine Super Bowls and there had been 53 total Super Bowls. The guy's been like in slightly less than 20 percent of the Super Bowls in existence. It's unbelievable.
1: (laughs) You you know what I think is is, is amazing, because I was talking about Philip Rivers this morning and what is he a Hall of Famer? Is he not a Hall of Famer? And the question always comes down to how do you fare as far as your era. Are you one of the best quarterbacks in your era? The numbers, his numbers, I mean, he has high numbers. Passing yards is always going to be up there. But when you when you said that list about Tom Brady, who he beat, Manning and, you know, all those other guys, uh, Deshaun, I mean, uh, Patrick Mahomes, everyone up there that he beat, he beat Hall of Famers. L- Ladanian. he beat Hall of Famers. That's what it would take, and that's why one of the reasons why I, I don't think Philip Rivers is a Hall of Famer. But you know, it just goes to show you how Phillip good Rivers he is. is.
0: The Art Monk of quarterbacks. Yeah, he he puts up numbers. He's going to have a lot of statistics. Yeah. Um, Philip Rivers will be a guy in five years that we're going to say when he retired, he was top five in passing yeah. yards. He's he has a lot of statistics that in this new era will be passed. Philip Rivers is. It's interesting. If, if we're not including postseason, who had a better career, Phillip Rivers or Eli? But, I mean, you can't. It's just it, like Eli had those two runs, which puts him over everybody. But, like, in terms of statistics and all that, like, Phillip Rivers is, is like almost 2X Eli.
1: Well, well, Phillip Rivers is a top five guitar as far as yards and touchdowns. So you, you think of that when you think of him. But in order to get to that higher place, again, we talk about that sacred place, the end zone. The Hall of Fame should be a sacred place. It's just not numbers to get in there. It has to be numbers and achievement. And beating those guys in your era is part of that. Being considered the best at some part of time during that that time that you played um, is part of it. And, and, and Philip Rivers actually doesn't have any of those things to be able to talk about.
0: I do know this, though. Philip Rivers is one of the most loved players in the NFL. No I know that BR, BR Gridiron posted it again. Austin Eckler, a story that he told me over the summer, where it was playing with Philip Rivers was so funny because no quarterback talked trash like him, and but also never cursed and. There's something about someone insulting you intelligently without using expletives and pointing at your defense and being like, hey, you're lined up in the wrong spot, hike, and then throwing it to the spot you're supposed to be at. That's just next level. There's a video if you've seen it, of Yannick Ngakwe when he was on the Jaguars. Uh, Phillip Rivers gets it out and ends up on a long touchdown, and Yannick Ngakwe picks him up. And then Philip Rivers right next to him, like a toddler, puts his arms at his sides and goes, touchdown, like right in his ear. And then Yannick Gakway is running with him. And he's like, bro, you didn't have to do that. Philip Rivers like, yes, I did. Yes, I did. Like, I've just never seen a quarterback act like him. It was always so much fun. It was always so enjoyable. And you knew at the end of the game, he's going to be down less than a touchdown or a touchdown with the ball and something crazy is going to happen. Yeah. Drew Brees was the opposite. And so Saints fans and Drew Brees fans don't hate me. He's a 1st ballot Hall of Famer. He's a top-ten quarterback of all time. What he's been able to do is amazing coming off that shoulder injury. But it ended the way it always ends with Drew Brees, except he didn't score a touchdown. The game ended. Do not clip this because Saints fans will kill me. It ended with the Saints down two possessions, with Drew Brees with the ball, with the defense in prevent, and him picking up yards. Normally, in years past, when all those nine and seven, seven and nine seasons, down fourteen, gets an extra eighty yards and a touchdown onside kick doesn't happen. Saints lose by one possession. That's how every Drew Brees game ends. Um, Let me ask you this. Let me ask
1: you this. We talk about the the, the Brees game. How much of a difference would Taysom Hill have made in that game?
0: Oh, big. Him and Latavius Murray, I think, were big because I think that the Saints, they usually get a lot of push with those backup running backs, and I think it was all Kamara trying to do everything, uh, and it tired him out. But especially Taysom Hill. We saw the one throw from Jameis Winston was great, but – Taysen just makes the defense think so much more. Yeah. It's not even about what he does, it's just the pre-snap fear of what they're going to do with
1: it. Yeah, him. having that missing that one element of, of the unpredictable was, was obviously there for the Bucks defense. And it was interesting. Other interesting thing I, I saw was Drew Brees going up to Jameis Winston saying, It's your team now. And uh. did, did you did you guys see that? Oh yeah, that, yeah. like great, it's great yeah, little, like it's, it's your team now. Which obviously he said during the game. Wow. Does that mean Taysom Hill's not the starting quarterback next year, or there a quarterback competition, or or what's going on there? I, I think I just felt as though that was interesting. That at least Drew feels like it's going to be Jameis Winston's team next year.
0: I love that he got that touchdown pass. My first thought Best. was, my first thought was, man, the Saints. If they won, you got one throw from Jameis all year. Yeah the trade value cannot be higher yep. because you're like, look what he can do. But yep. um, the fact I didn't see that clip, that's amazing because that actually makes me think that Jameis is going to be, I, I have a take somewhere from this past summer where I said, Jameis is going to lead the saints for the next decade. And I hope it ends up coming right because I, um, when you really look at his stats and the fact that he got laser eye surgery, I can't believe we're talking about Jameis Winston this much right now. <laughs> but um, he's just so anti-Drew Brees. He's the antithesis of Drew Brees. Drew Brees is short, underneath, calculated. Everything is done pre-snap, protects the ball, all that. Jameis Winston is like, let's throw 40 yards. I don't know where it's going. I can barely see, and who knows?
1: But but know. but that's what the Saints needed in this past game to advance. Yes, Which do. is the crazy part. They needed what Jameis Winston does to advance. And you know, Drew Brees just wasn't able capable, wasn't capable of doing that. Uh Ingber
0: has some questions here uh that he asked, and I think they're interesting. Uh first and foremost, let's talk about Deshaun Watson. Um I just want and Westbrook can attest to this too. I've been talking to different players around the league who have been eliminated and i'm just like man what's it like and they've all responded in some way i'm free and i'm like what do you mean and they're like they're like listen could we have gone out and and like seen our family and friends of course but we knew that if we did that we were putting our whole team at risk mm-hmm. and so a lot of these guys have not seen their families or their friends or have been drinking or have been relaxing they've been in the zone and so a lot of these guys not that the season is over they are feeling human again. Like they really can't believe it. And so Westbrook can attest to this because he's been a part of this, but I think it's even multiplied this year. I think Deshaun Watson's also like, I'm not picking up anybody's phone call. I'm not listening to anybody. I am finally free from this awful season. How much of it do you think is that? And then how much of it do you think is him really being like, I'm
1: never coming back? I think a small part of it may be that he's free, but the bigger part is, uh, the lack of respect from the organization, the the lack of consideration, the you told me one thing and you did something totally different. Um, to me, it comes down to that. I I, I can't imagine, and, and David, you're a New England fan, so you can probably answer this better. I can't imagine if Bill Belichick did this to a guy like Tom Brady. I, I just can't imagine. I can't imagine that if if he just, he asked for his opinion and then just disregarded that that that's that's hard to accept it's a slap on the face and you add all that on top of the response to the social justice issues that Kyle McNair basically didn't have and some of the comments that he's made um it's hard to see Deshaun Watson going back there they're really you, you know as a player I'll, I'll say this as a player respect is huge and if you don't respect me then, Trust. And, and then I can't come play for you. Just imagine, we're, we're having a, a much smaller issue in Philadelphia. Carson Wentz doesn't want to go back to the Eagles because he felt like the, 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 the relationship with the head coach was fractured because they drafted a guy to sit behind him. Multiply that times 10 because now Kyle McNair has said something about the a race of people or the people in the NFL and Deshaun Watson feels offended about that that that's a problem. That's something that is going to be very hard to get over.
0: Where is the most fun spot for Deshaun Watson to end up? I'm looking at some Vegas odds right now. Carolina with some of the news recently has jumped up to the favorite, but all the odds are very close together. Cause we don't have a lot of news mm-hmm. out there. The names that I hear all the time, there's really a top three. There's Carolina. There's the Miami dolphins. There's the New York jets. I wouldn't put it past a John Elway. John Elway cannot draft quarterbacks, but he knows how to trade for them and sign them. Mm -hmm. So that is one thing. So I wouldn't count the the Broncos out. Uh, I wouldn't count the Patriots out. Nick Casario, former front office guy for the Patriots, now down there in Houston. Uh, But I feel like the favorites, because of the assets they have, are the Carolina Panthers, the Miami Dolphins, and the New York Jets. Westbrook, where do you think would be the most fun spot? For Deshaun Watson.
1: It just makes me laugh when we mentioned the Miami Dolphins because they received all the draft picks for Laramie Tunsell, right? And now they'll be giving them right back to Houston for Deshaun Watson. Those two teams have a lot of history as far as uh, trading. I, I think that if you're Bill Belichick, you're trying to find a way. Uh, that that To me, that's the most interesting mm-hmm. thing because we it, it's fun when the Patriots are relevant. Uh, to me, it really is. And I, I think he understood... The, the the huge deficit that they're in because they don't have the quarterback. And if you get Deshaun Watson, that changes everything that team now looks like a a, a division winner. It looks like a playoff contender. Uh, I would think that Bill Belichick's trying to figure out what they can do to get Deshaun Watson uh, in the fold up there in New England.
0: For me, the way the teams are currently constituted, Carolina would be the most fun Mm -hmm. because I love with rule there. And if Joe Brady stays, what it could be. Because I think even in that last game, when they benched Teddy Bridgewater, they were like, man, we love Teddy, but he's just not going to take us to the next level. The weapons they have in the DJ Moores and the Curtis Samuels and the Christian McCaffrey, that's the most fun. Now, the potential of the Jets is what excites me, but it's not fun right now, mainly because I look at them and I go, they have Jonathan Ogden for the next 10 years in Makai Beckton. So now we're going to have Deshaun Watson with a left tackle. Now, if that's what we have, we're off to a good start. They also have a ton of salary cap. Can you imagine if the New York Jets trade for Deshaun Watson and bring in an Allen Robinson? With all the other guys they have there. Allen Robinson, Denzel, Mims, a few other guys. Because the Jets have it. They don't have it now. But Deshaun Watson in New York would be really, really special. But I think as they're currently constituted, Carolina would be the most
1: fun as of right now. Eh. How about that? I think I think. It, oh, good answer. Well, okay, no, I, I think in Carolina they they have a bunch of you talent. Know, in improv,
0: you're supposed to say yes and you don't just make an auditory buzzer noise. Eh. But that was, yeah.
1: It. This
2: is an improv comedy eh. show, not. A I, I, yeah, I I think, really think Carolina's yeah.
1: building, and I, I think you add Deshaun Watson, it, it helps that build, and it goes over real quick, but. We're not saying there's no one in, in that watches the game, be like, ah, we're, we need Carolina to be good again. No, we, we need Bill Belichick to be good. We need him to have a quarterback a so that we can have some fun with Bill Belichick. I made a mistake. The most fun place for Deshaun Watson to go is
0: actually the San Francisco 49ers. If, if Kyle Shanahan is able to flip Jimmy Garoppolo and say, hey, we'll give you a back, we'll give you some draft picks, and, and, and Kyle Shanahan. With Brandon Ayuk and that running game is a- and George Kittle being healthy with Deshaun Watson, the NFC West well,
1: that would be. Aye, aye. <laughs> is, that,
0: <laughs> is that no? I, mean?
1: I like that. I, I like I like Kyle Shanahan in that offense okay. when you add a, a competent quarterback like Deshaun Watson. Absolutely. Another
0: question. Eric Bieniemy is now being interviewed by the chiefs. The NFL is uh, by the Texans. The NFL is now opening it up to where current playoff coaches, because we have a few, we have Bieniemy and Kafka on the chiefs. Uh, we have on the, um, the bills, Brian Dayball and Leslie Frazier. Yeah. Uh, and then who are the Packers playing again? the bucks, Todd Bowles. We have at least five coaches that are being interviewed. So they've usually you can interview in the playoffs. They're opening up zoom calls right now. Um, so we haven't heard anything yet, but wh- why do you think the enemy's not getting a job? And, and do you think he goes this round without getting one?
1: I don't think he interviews very well. I think that, you know, in, in a lot of his interviews, they, from, from what I've heard is that he's just not a great interviewer. And, and that may be true, right? That doesn't mean he can't coach football. If you can't talk to your owner and do all those other stuff, that's, that's one part of it. But can you win games? Can you lead men? Can you can you teach the position? Can you help to find a way to get your franchise from here to the next level? That's the most important thing to me. Um, and, and I've been around Eb a bunch uh, in Philadelphia. He can lead men. He will get the best out of your out, out of your football team. That's the most important thing when you think about franchise and leaders of your franchise. You, you you listen. If you're the Texans, you already have had guys that that interview great. Bill Bill, Bill O'Brien probably had a great interview. wasn't a very good yeah. coach. Go find somebody that's the best coach. and I, and I think Eric Bieniemy probably will get you the best chance. And and not only that, he may be able to somehow persuade Deshaun Watson to come back. That's the most important thing if you're the Houston I think Texans.
0: you are the Texans right now is we hire Eric Bieniemy to bring back Deshaun Watson and he still doesn't he come can. back. That's and a problem. The biggest fans of Eric Bien-Ami. I I want to say that I watched some Eric Bieniemy press conferences last week. And what I was taken aback by is I think when when people say what you just said, people go, "Oh, he's dumb." He's not no, dumb. No. Would you agree with this though? He does not have a decisive command when he speaks. He kind of speaks a little bit in cliches. He kind of repeats himself a little bit. But when I see him up there, I don't. There isn't a calm that comes over me of this guy's got it all. There's a lot of excitement there, and I'm, I'm just trying to understand what's not clicking with these people. But that was just my perspective
1: of watching his well, professors. well, fans and sometimes coaches. They want the, I mean, sometimes owners, they want their coaches to be politicians. No, I want my coach to be able to communicate to 53 guys. That's what I want. I want him to be able to say, whether you talk or however you talk, if the guys on that team understand it and he can get the best out of those guys, that's what I want. And if you have a combination of, of being able to communicate to the owner and get the best out of your, your, your guys, then that's great. But if you can just get the best out of your guys as an owner, I just want to win games. I don't care if you communicate with me. I mean, you can't disrespect me, but you also, my communicating uh, with, with my coach is not the top of my list. Winning games and championships is the top of my list. I don't know how Bill Belichick communicates to um, with the owner up there. I'm sure they have a good relationship at this point. But he doesn't seem like the best communicator in the world either. Yeah. When
0: you're that level, though, I feel like they let
1: you go. Yeah, yeah, of
0: course. What this is to me, what this is to me, is a lesson that I got a very long time ago. And it's something that I think about a lot when I talk to my boss's boss or my boss's 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 boss. When you are going to get paid a lot of money and put into a powerful position in a company, Your boss has to want to be around you. No boss wants to pay someone a lot of money and then not enjoy their company or they don't think that they're going to get along. Now, in the NFL, this has led to a lot of nepotism and a lot of favoritism where it's like, oh, we have so much in common. We can go play golf. And this is the kind of relationship I want. And I think what a lot of people are saying is like what you're saying, you don't need to connect with these guys. Everything doesn't have to be a golf trip or a boat trip or you guys sitting there and talking about your upbringings and all that. But I think that's this is my advice to people that are listening that are not going for head coaching jobs, but are in the workforce don't suck up, but your boss or your boss's boss—if if you're going to get promoted, they have to want to be around you. Yeah. And I think it's it's trying to get that connection as people, which apparently BNE Ben is not getting with these guys.
1: Football feels like a, I mean, sports in general feels like a different space, almost a space where you should say, "Yeah." It, it and I guess you can look at it a lot of different ways, but I just feel like it's so different. My communication with these fifty-three men is different than I would need to have in a workspace. Yeah. So it's, it's a little bit. To your point, I, I can't imagine the,
0: the type of people that are great at talking to 53 men from all different parts of the world, from all different classes, likely it's not going to be that great as also talking to a billionaire owner Absolutely. that is used to being catered yeah. to. And so it's like the, they're two different conversations. And, and I would imagine that some that are great at talking to the billionaire aren't great at talking to 53. You know, I, I Like, I've always thought Brian Billick would be like that. I've always thought Brian Billick would be an owner's dream. Mm -hmm. And then he talked to the team and it's like, come on, man, that's Ray Lewis's team.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. The team's led by the fans. Yeah, I mean, I just, I don't know, man. I I think he would be an awesome coach. Um, But but if you don't interview well, again, it, it has led to nepotism. It's led to a lot of different things. But if you're looking for a leader of men, which you absolutely will find it. Eric B enemy. You're, you know, you, you have to go with that type of coach. And again, here's the other part. What coach can you bring in to try to get Deshaun Watson back? That's the number one thing. If if that's even possible. And and, and I don't know if that's even possible at this point. Well, it's not just the Texans
0: job that's open. I do not believe that we have recorded a podcast since Doug Peterson got fired. Mm. We recorded our last podcast and then 20 minutes after we got done recording, Doug Peterson was let go. Yeah. Uh, he, it came out today that he's going to sit out this coaching cycle. And that even though Howie and Jeffrey Lurie uh, said he'll likely get a spot soon, it doesn't look like there was a big market yeah. for Doug. That was Peterson. nice
1: for them to say. It was
0: Westbrook. What was your thoughts on Doug Peterson getting fired and how the process has gone?
1: Well, listen, I I was one of the guys that didn't think Doug should be fired. I, I believe that the COVID situation all offseason hurt them, especially when you have so many uh second string, third string players playing because of, of the injuries. When you have those, when you miss those OTAs and things like that, that that hurts your program. It really, really does. And I know everyone has kind of dealt, dealt with it, but it does hurt your program when you don't have that. Um, obviously the quarterback didn't play very well. I believe Doug deserved another chance. And, and here's a couple of different reasons why. I mean, he went to the playoffs three years. I mean, he won a division two years. He won a Super Bowl within that five-year period. And he took this team that was a dumpster fire, was trash when Chip Kelly left. And brought him to a Super Bowl a couple years later. To me, that's meaningful. You know, people in Philadelphia have been really upset about, you know, Doug. And maybe he's not the, the most, you know, doesn't give the best press conferences. But can you win? Can you coach your team to win? And this year, that wasn't the case. And so, go ahead.
0: I'm just going to say, let's not put this on the people of Philadelphia. Well, no, in my opinion, since we've recorded, there've been a lot of articles that have come out from Jeff McClain, which clearly show that Carson Wentz has been leading the charge to getting Doug Peterson fired. Yeah. In that articles that he's written, Carson Wentz has been going to ownership and saying, this isn't working out. He's apparently been killing plays at the line of scrimmage out of spite to Doug Peterson. There have been offensive linemen, I guessed it was Jason Peters, but that's just my guess. I have no information on that. That went to ownership and said it was time to move on from Carson. The stories have been that Carson Wentz doesn't take coaching well from this coaching staff because he doesn't respect them and they're too close to his age. So this whole like Philadelphia ran Doug Peterson out of town, which is not what I think you were saying, but I've heard some people say. To me, it really seems like Carson Wentz ran Doug Peterson out of town. And I would just like to ask Howie Roseman and Jeffrey Lurie, One, have you heard of the sunk cost fallacy? Number two, why are you still listening to Carson Wentz all of the time? And why is your number one staple building around a guy that doesn't care about winning enough to try and just win despite who the coach is and is willing to run to your office like a baby and complain all the time and that most of the team didn't like? Why are you listening to this guy? End of my rants.
1: Well, I, I think it kind of goes back to the point with the Eric B. Enemy thing a little bit. You know, the coach loved Carson Wentz. If you would have heard some of the things, I mean, seemed like the owner loved Carson Wentz. They loved, he's so smart. Because they get along with him. Oh, he reminds That's me it, of my son. Yes. That's and you. so that all that was going on, and I think at the end of the day, the owner had to choose, do I allow this $34 million of dead cap space to go to waste? Or do I try to get rid of the coach who I'm not in love with, does not see eye to eye with our vision and, and try to bring in somebody that can. And then they go interview everybody that's, that's, that, that put in the job application in the NFL.
0: I will say this though about Doug Peterson. If it's true that he brought in the names for his next coaching staff and they were pretty much all the names on staff already, then I
1: understand why he was let go. Well, because- well time out, time out, time out. If you're a head coach... You put people on your staff that you feel strong about, right? And right. let's say your offensive coordinator goes, you want to, you want to bring those guys up that you have trusted, that you've been around. That's what that's what happens normally. Go look at Andy Reid's coaching tree. Yeah. Everybody that has worked there has moved their way up slow by. We know that Jeffrey Lurie likes a splash. Well, Jeffrey Lurie, Jeffrey Lurie Lurie didn't like the idea that, that, that press Taylor was going to be the offensive coordinator. He didn't like that because, and and, and, well, here's the reason why Doug wanted press Taylor to be the offensive coordinator so that Doug could keep calling the plays. That's why. So nothing would change. And, and Jeffrey wanted things to change. Doug wanted to, I would want to leave too. If I'm Doug,
0: I'm not allowed to call the plays. I can't pick my coordinators. I don't have anything in draft in the, like power in the draft and the quarterback has more pull than me in the organization. Yeah. I totally understand why he was leaving. Totally. Get yeah. it. At the same point, when are we going to start looking at the real issue with the Philadelphia Eagles? And I say this with all due respect. Jeffrey Lurie is the issue with the Philadelphia Eagles. Jeffrey Lurie cannot look at Howie Roseman and acknowledge Any of the faults. Jeffrey Lurie is apparently trying to, I'm going to say the word, meddle in drafts by apparently being the guy that said, I want JJ Arthega Whiteside. Mm. Eventually, you have to look at the top and you have to look at who is up there enabling everybody. And I believe that it is Jeffrey Lurie. And I say that I say with all due respect because I like Jeffrey Lurie. He's the owner of the team that I love and we've won a Super Bowl, and I think he's a good guy. But Let's never forget how he made the money to get this franchise. His parents started a bunch of movie theaters and it became a huge business. And then he came into it. So of course he's not going to know how to build a franchise. He's never built anything. And so that may have been a jab and I apologize, but like I look at people that have a track record of building things, you know, Robert Kraft built up paper packaging and communications. (laughs) I wonder why that organization is run so well. I look at, at, at Jeffrey Lurie, and it's you either meddle a lot or you don't. You either mark Cuban and spend a lot of your money or you stay out of it. And the relationship that he has with Howie Roseman, how are they going to convince a coach to come in when you know Howie Roseman has outlasted two to three coaches? He's never going anywhere. No. So you're the one on the hot seat if anything ever goes wrong. It's just not a winning formula. For
1: well, that's why some of the coaches that have come in there or even coaches that you want have said, no, we're not going to come in there and, 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 and interview for the job because we already know how he wants to pick my staff. You can't pick my staff yeah. for me. Are you crazy? You don't know who I'm going to get along with. So, I
0: feel like the one thing the coach gets to do yeah. is to like – look. we just said – the coach wants to be around coaches that he respects and wants that's to be around.
1: Right. The GM's never down there. That's right. And, and there are times where there have just been reports that Howie Roseman will always save himself. And that's a conflict if you're a head coach. Because now if he's saving himself, the one person that's going to get fired, that's me and my staff that's a problem and so that that's why you have to go get some of these younger unproven coaches coaches that guys that haven't coached on this level because the older coaches are like no I'll wait to the next cycle Mike Kafka he was not an older coach but he's saying I'll wait to the next cycle because I don't want to be put in a bad situation and be pigeonholed now Doug Peterson a Super Bowl winning coach there was only nine active Super Bowl winning coaches in the NFL before Doug got fired now he's out on his butt because of a quarterback that was turned out to be one of the worst quarterbacks in the league this season.
0: I'm going to say this and I'm probably going to regret it. And, but that's the way that I like to do the podcast. I like saying <laughs> things that I'm going to regret eventually. If this team goes all in and again on Carson, uh, that doesn't make sense. If this team goes all in again on Carson Wentz and I've heard reports, they might move on from hurts and all that stuff. I might start being a modern NBA fan with the NFL, and I might start rooting for te- for players over teams. I have been a long-standing Eagles fan since birth. It is in my blood. Forty percent of my clothes have Eagles logos on them. It's a lot. I might be just a Jalen Hurts fan, and a Justin Jefferson fan, and a and a Travis Kelsey fan, and I'm a Mahomes fan because I'm reaching a point where. I, I'm. this is not a corporation that I'm really enjoying. And if, if they're going to do this with Carson, with all the stories that are coming out, then I, I cannot root for a team that is this blind. And I may have to, if they move on from Jalen Hurts, I might just be a Jalen Hurts fan, Westbrook. And I know this is crazy to say, because I bleed midnight green, but I just can't
1: root for stupidity. Yeah. And I can't root. I can't root for ego. Yeah, will we'll never lose your fandom. That that's one of the deal breakers in sports. You I'm never redirect. You never lose your fandom. You can't just go from a fan of one team to now you're picking players. That's that's no fair. That's no fun either. But I, I think from the in the principle, you're actually right. And when they talking about, they would rather stick with Carson Wentz. That's an issue because I, I think that the issue is this: that all these that there's been players. There was a story a couple of years ago. Joe San We understood that people in Philly crushed him because he spoke about Carson Wentz and all these all these stories around Carson Wentz. They have a similar theme. Yes, they do. They all have a similar theme, but nobody wants to admit it. Amen. No, well, nobody wants to admit what the theme is. I, I just think that it, it, it has been that Carson has been selfish. He's been about himself. And it's not necessarily about the team. And it's, it's he's going to look out for him. And and I don't know if it's accurate or not, but all these stories have the same thing, right? And, and you have to figure that out. And you can't have a quarterback in your system that can't get along with people. It does The NFL doesn't work like that. If the one person in the organization that has to be a guy that you want to be around all the time, it has to be the quarterback. And if Carson isn't that guy, there's always going to be a problem. Because I'll tell you what. The guys rally around Jalen Hurts. We've seen that. Yes. And they do. Carson hasn't been that type of guy.
0: I cannot wait this this offseason when Carson Wentz invites receivers up to North Dakota and like <laughs> Dallas Goddard <laughs> shows up and then Jalen Hurts is down there with like Jerry Judy yeah. Devon Miami. Smith. and He's like the guy yeah. like and it's going to be like, how are you kidding me? Like the thing that everyone says to me is Carson Wentz is more physically talented than Jalen Hurts. He's not stronger than Jalen Hurts. He's not faster than Jalen Hurts. He's been in the league five years longer. So his ability to read defense is better than Jalen Hurts. But when you have an offensive lineman go to the ownership, it probably wasn't Jason Kelsey. And so what other offensive lineman is capable of walking into the ownership's office? It's either Lane Johnson or Jason Peters. If one of them walks to the owner and goes, I want Jalen Hurts over Carson. It ain't just because they're kicking it. It's because they're watching these guys at practice mm-hmm. and they're going, this guy's better than this guy. Yeah. And so that, that I'm telling you, if they put Carson over Jalen, it will be something that will haunt us for a very long time. And it's enough for me to question my fanhood because I don't like rooting for dumb organizations.
1: I understand it.
0: <sighs> okay. I'm glad you I got really that off your hard chest, hard. man. That's a good one. I re- like, like, man, he stinks. Um, Sundays games. Uh, this is the first time that Westbrook is going to talk any betting before we bring on Crack Daddy. The three hundred five game at Lambeau Field, mm-hmm. very important as Kelly uh, as Kelly Stewart told us last week. Tom Brady goes to bed at eight o'clock and most late games. He performs poorly because of his circadian rhythm, which I thought was genius. Well, guess what games at three o'clock doesn't matter, but it's in the cold Packers start this game as they're about three, three and a half point favorites right here, Westbrook. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious how you, how you talk this one out in your head. If you were to bet it,
1: I would over under is 51. I would go with the over and I'll still take the Packers. I think that Aaron Rodgers, we talked about it earlier, he's just in a zone. And when you're in that zone, it doesn't matter who you throw to. It doesn't really necessarily matter where the defense is at. Because if you blitz, I'm throwing the other way. And Aaron Rodgers has the ability to understand exactly where the blitz is coming from and get the ball out quickly. He doesn't have to hold on to it. And, And you look back to that, I think it was week two or three game Aaron Rodgers was in the funk early on, early on in that game, threw a couple of picks and never was able to get out of it. That's something that yep. the competitor in Aaron Rodgers will never let go of throughout this entire season. He's been thinking about this opportunity, this game, all season long. Oh. I think Aaron Rodgers gets his revenge this week. It should be about
0: 28 degrees at kickoff. It is supposed to snow on Sunday. It looks like it's going to snow in the morning. Good. So we're going to get those beautiful shots in the pregame show mm-hmm. of like the CBS music and the snow on Lambeau. No. It's not supposed to be snowing that much during the game, and the wind is only going to be about six miles per hour, which is really the thing that I look at. Wind is what ruins football games and overs. Um, what I love about this game, and I think Ingber can attest to this too, we have been waiting for Rodgers, Tom Brady in the Super Bowl for years. They've been really quarterbacks one and two for the better part of the 2010s. And we've never gotten a chance for them to face off in the Super Bowl. And the fact that we're finally getting Tom Brady and Rodgers in a big-time playoff game is what excites me a lot. I think that we can throw out the Week 6 game. I think when you really look at it, the one pick six was a great jump of a route. The other pick that pretty much took it to the two-yard line, deflected off of a tight end. The Green Bay offense is immensely better than it was back then. Mm -hmm. And I think the Green Bay defense has gotten better too. I, I really love Green Bay in this game. I'm more confident in Green Bay going to the Super Bowl than any of the four teams. I would as well lay the points uh, and take Green Bay there. Uh, but, Inver, I, I know we've been waiting to see Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady for a while, uh, but I, I'm curious where you stand on this matchup because you're not going to be here when I talk to crack.
2: Yeah, it's uh, it really is one of those things where I I think we as fans love to see quarterback versus quarterback. And we saw Brady versus Manning so many times, and hopefully we're going to get to see Mahomes versus Watson, Mahomes versus Lamar Jackson, whatever it is that just carries itself for a decade. And you get to see them play like once or twice a year. And weirdly Brady and Rogers have just existed these last 15 years, kind of on parallel tracks. They had one big marquee Sunday game years and years ago that was all, you know, a big lead up to like Brady versus Rogers. And then it ended up being a Matt Castle game. And I remember wow. being like, oh yeah. man, Yo, come never on. It. See... we never seen I think we saw like a Sunday night game a couple of years ago. There just, there hasn't been that marquee game that everyone thinks about, which is just strange. Um, I actually felt the same thing about uh, if we're going to go cross sports, LeBron versus Kobe, right? Mm-hmm. The number of times that those guys went at it is kind of strange how few times that happened, even though they were both awesome for like 12 overlapping right. Like years. we got a lot
0: of Kobe and Duncan, but we never got a Kobe LeBron mm-hmm. that we really right. wanted to see or a Kobe it's Paul just, Pierce. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's just, it's just a strange thing that, that uh, it's so rarely they, they went head to head. Um, But obviously I wonder if these guys, if Brady and Rogers themselves think of it as an exciting thing, because they're obviously, they're not on the field ever. You know, it's it Rogers is thinking it's me versus the, the Buccaneers linebackers right now. Really
0: Rogers is thinking it's me versus and Sue. That was the other thing I took away from the week six game was the amount of shit talking Sue was doing. And the way it really did get into Rogers head. He, when he was in Detroit, that was one of the premier rivalries was a defensive tackle and Aaron Rodgers, But um, should be a great game. Anything else on this one, Westbrook? Well, you know,
1: one of the things that I'm loving from the Green Bay offense right now is the way you, you think about it. Over the last couple of weeks of the season, I'm talking about the end of the regular season, they were getting A.J. Dillon involved a little bit. You saw him a little bit more. Yep. And now Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, I mean, they've gotten that running game going just a little bit. So when Small you talk Williams, about yeah. the balance of, of all the offenses, I mean, we talk about some of the greats. we talk about Brady. we talk talking about Mahomes. We're talking about Rodgers. And then Josh Allen's coming along they have the most balance of any team uh, that is left at this point. And that pays dividends when it's cold, when it's windy, when you're in a situation where you have to run the clock down. I just think that they're doing a great job of, of, of being balanced, but also being multiple on offense. And that makes the linebackers that makes the safety's eyes do weird things. And Mm -hmm. so I I think they have a, you know, they have a really good thing going at this point.
0: They of all the teams, they feel the most balanced. Uh, I know the, the group that is the most nervous is the, the people at State Farm, who for the second year in a row have Mahomes and Rogers in the championship game, and they just got their fingers crossed. Yeah. If they can get in there, we're going to own this week. On the other side, we're still waiting to see if Mahomes plays. I would bet on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm more worried about his toe uh, than the concussion, uh, just because we haven't had a lot of updates on that. Um, at the same point, Man, the Chiefs look good. Yeah. They really look good last week. Um, where do you stand the, the line on this one, Westbrook? Uh, Chiefs are favored by three. I'm seeing two and a half some places, and I'm seeing a total of around 53, 53 and a half. That game is going to be kicking off at 640, mm-hmm. uh, and I'll get you some weather after you start talking.
1: I'll, I'll take the under on that. You know, I, I think the Chiefs score a bunch of points. I, I think the Bills um, are pressing to score points in this game. And even though Josh Allen has played really, really well throughout the season, I wonder how he's going to play in this type of game. AOC championship games are, are different breeds, similar to the Super Bowl being a different breed. I wonder how he plays there. You know, I'm not as concerned. I'm more concerned about the concussion. I'm not as concerned about the, the, the foot or the toe for, for Patrick Mahomes. The one thing that I am thinking about as far as that foot goes is that remember all the third and sevens where all the defensive guys are are 20, 30 yards down the field. Patrick Mahomes takes off his running ability to take off and get that first down. That's where you kind of you see that toe popping up at, you know, I've been around that staff out there in Kansas City. Some of the best trainers, obviously the best coach in the NFL, in my mind, in Andy Reid. And so I I think they'll do everything they can to make sure that he's up to beat up to date on everything and and ready to play. And so I, I just think Kansas city is too talented across the board to get beat at this point, even if Patrick Mahomes is not his normal self.
0: I think that this game is going to be an absolute battle precipitation there is a chance for some rain around that time about 36 Mm percent. the temperature will be at about 40 degrees and dropping throughout the game wind should be anywhere between seven and ten miles an hour Uh, we saw Bucker miss a few kicks which was very surprising I do not have a lot of confidence in Buffalo's kicker Uh, they've been kind of shuffling that throughout the season and I think that could be huge in a game where points are going to be excuse me as at a premium Um, but I I'm not going to start betting against the chiefs now. No, I'm just not. But I do think of the two, the, the, the two games, the bills are the the more formidable team to me. I I think the bucks have been great. Antonio Brown being hurt does scare me a lot with the multiplicity of that offense, but with the bills, it's going to come down to Josh Allen, not making mistakes late. And then also being able to keep pace. Um, you can run on both of these defenses, and that's why I, I like where you're going with the under here because I think you can run on the Bills and you can run on the Chiefs. The Bills the don't run the The question is though. Exactly. And with Zach Moss being out, yeah. it's going to be a little bit tough. Um I'm going with the Chiefs mainly because I want to see the Mahomes-Rodgers Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. But I also think it's pretty awesome, the four quarterbacks that we have left. Mahomes, Allen, Rodgers, Brady, four of the best that are doing it right now. Ingber, you want to weigh in before we get Crack Daddy in here?
2: Yeah, this is uh, Stats by Stats on Twitter. Crack actually just entered the waiting room, so this will be the last thing, but... Rodgers, Brady, Josh Allen, and Patrick Mahomes all threw for at least 4,000 yards during the regular season. That is the first time that all four starters in the final four of the NFL have thrown for at least 4,000 yards. And just putting those four together, that's 18,000 plus yards, 1,559 completions on 2,300 attempts, 163 touchdown passes. So about 40 per guy, only 33 interceptions and a 110 passer rating. Just unbelievable final four.
0: Mm. Uh, so I am picking a Super Bowl of Kansas City, Green Bay. Westbrook, how
1: about you? Same thing. Kansas City, Green Bay. Um, it's it's interesting. And, and I think this is why if you're the Houston Texans, you got to fight or do apologize, beg uh, to get Deshaun Watson back. The best, two best quarterbacks in the NFL probably are going to be in a Super Bowl. And it happens like that an awful lot. You got to find a way to keep that guy. And for the other teams that aren't even close, you got to find a way to find that guy. And whoever that guy is that you have currently, get him out of there and move on to the next one. Ingber, your Super Bowl pick.
2: I'm not going to pick the Chiefs. It's too obvious. Instead, I'm going to take Mahomes to have the most passing yards for the playoffs at 6 to 1 right mm. now.
0: Okay. Wait, but who are you picking to go to the Super Bowl?
2: <laughs> well, clearly the Chiefs are gonna win, but it's too easy to just say the Chiefs are gonna win. You don't get any value on that. I'm gonna take Mahomes at six to one to have the most no, no, passing we're not, yards we're not in the
0: place. I'm just asking who do you think's gonna get into the Super Bowl? This is our
2: betting preview. go. I'm allowed to make a betting choice. All right, well, what are the um, I Bucks the Bucks <laughs> and the Chiefs?
0: Ooh. Tampa Bay being at home for the Super Bowl is a storyline that people aren't talking about. I think we yeah. have forgotten about it. All right. Westbrook, it was great talking to you, man. Um I'm not sure what the plans are next week because it's going to be like that weird week yeah. where there's no nothing going on, but
1: I'm gonna miss your musk. All right, man. I miss you too, brother.
0: Uh let's let's do the goodbye because I think I'm gonna actually come back on with Ingber after crack really quick. So for Brian Westbrook,
1: the Rocket Man. You know, I, I think it's important that we understand this, and this is this is really important. No matter what type of flower that you're planning, it's all about how you water the soil, how you take care of it, how you fertilize things, how do you make um, the situation better? Um, that could go for your relationship, that can go for a lot of different things, certainly can go for our, our brand new president that's getting inaugurated today. Let's make sure that we water uh, the soil, let's make sure that we fertilize it, let's make sure that we make the best of, uh, out of this situation. Uh, I think you can apply that to everything in your life.
0: Congressman Westbrook. Water hashtag water your soil. Great stuff.
1: Love you, Westbrook. All right, guys. be safe, man. Take care. See ya, bro.
0: Hear ye, hear ye. These are the three crack commandments.
3: With Bill Krakenberger.
0: Now the Westbrook's out of here. Let's slow it down. Pick up that tambourine and channel our crack. Daddy. Ingber, snap. Crack. Daddy. Nice. Uh, It's
2: hard to get perfect rhythm with you over Zoom.
0: Um, So (laughs) I asked before we started recording, uh, what were the picks that Crack was kind of giving out? Ingber's face lit up. So what did Crack say last week, Ingber?
2: Crack said, you you said that you love the Chiefs team total over. And Crack said, you know what? I might like the first half over for you uh, in, instead. And it turns out they got over 17 and a half in the first half. That 19, that extra field goal that they got at the last second. And then they only scored three points in the second half. It was actually that a fantastic call. Good job,
0: Crack.
3: Yeah, thanks. No, that 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 is um, going to stick with that theme too, with all high-powered offensive teams that are uh, favorite uh, especially that one, that, you know, when you're when your favorite uh, a lot of points or something, whatever it may be, you, you're always uh, looking for these high-powered offenses that you think's going to win to kind of control clock management and slow it down in the second half. So um, I totally forgot I gave that to you guys. Thanks, anywhere. I totally forgot. Yeah, so that was a good giving out good so many winners also. you're
0: forgetting. Crack. I'm I'm <laughs> curious. During the season when there's 16 games going on, uh, you can find things that are forgotten or missed. When there's two games, how do you change your strategy then? Because it's everybody's focused on the same stuff.
3: Wow, well, I can actually show you my notes on my phone. This was one of the only two things I was going to remember to talk about, and you just without even we have a mind meld, show, and it's just it.
0: time that we yeah Jesus. We, we were connected at birth or something. That's
3: scary. It's so scary, it really is. I actually have, uh, I actually have exactly a brain
0: transmitter to. in your fedora that I have put there months ago.
3: Wow, but, yeah, there it is. <laughs> it's there. But um, I'll tell you, this is a scary weekend for people. You want to know why? And and Adam, you might be one of them. And even Dave might be one of them. You're going to bet both games, aren't you? No matter what.
0: I have, I haven't bet Action. in weeks. I I Jesus. got, I got after that zero six day. Good. <laughs>
3: Okay, good, good. No, but the public out there, there's two games. Normally we have, you know, 13, 14, 15, 16 games in a weekend, like Adam said. This is, you don't have to bet both of these games, guys. I know you want to, but there's so many ways to go at the game instead of betting an NFL side. You know, there's proposition bets. There's Just kind of have some fun with it. Don't just Fire because there's only two games in the NFL, and they're the marquee big name teams. I know everyone wants to fire, so uh, I do look at it differently. Uh, but uh, then again, this is a rare week. You're the first person I'm <gasps> giving this to. I have an NFL side but this you've week. Never been NFL actually sides, do. Crack. I I bet one the whole season a couple weeks ago. I think I gave it out with you guys too. I talked about it.
0: Yep, Rams, Rams, Rams over Seahawks uh,
3: over over Seattle. And that was the first one.
0: Oh man. Let me build it up a little bit for just the second time. This season. crack daddy feels confident enough to give out a side and he's doing it right here on the betting left go show crack. There's only two games, which one has caught your eye.
3: Yeah. And I know it's against a lot of you fans that are Brady fans. Mm. I apologize. Mm. So uh, I do like green Bay minus the three points. Uh, Now, you can lay minus three and a half at a couple of places plus money. But of course I want to lay the minus three minus 20 is about five shops that are dealing that. Um, I, I, I think, I think green Bay, um, Boy, I don't want to say that. I'm going to of the right words. I don't want to insult. Of course, uh, Tampa I feel the Bay. same way. I, I just think it's yes. Really? Oh, wow. I just think going into green Bay and I think it's time for the Brady show to come to an end. Um, he tried to get Gronk a touchdown there last week three different times, thrown him, dropped the ball. That's his guy. Uh, so I, I just think that this week it all comes to an end. And uh, I, I like Green Bay. I'm, I'm, I'm betting a decent amount of money on it. For an NFL side, I'm betting a decent, a decent amount of money on the game. I already laid uh, three. There's a sports book in Vegas that actually uh, uh, deals three flat or three and a half flat. They never go to three minus money. So they had three yesterday for a little bit. And, uh, and then, you know, it may come back now. You understand, even though it's, 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 uh, it's Green Bay, I think this weekend, this line may come back to three minus, minus three, minus 110. Everyone loves Brady. Look what happened last week. In a 12-hour period, the Saints went from minus three to minus two and a half. Home team, divisional game, I mean, it's really unbelievable. Unbelievable that that game went to – it was 2.5 everywhere, minus 2.5, minus 0.5. So people – and I, I – you know, by following Twitter and following my people, I see that everyone was on Tom Brady. The sportsbooks lost money. Uh, some of the big sportsbooks lost money last week. Everyone bet Tampa. So, uh, not, by the way, it's not only me on, on Green Bay here. It's the wisest of the wise guy syndicate, sports betting syndicate groups. The the sharp guys are all over Green Bay. I just for for
0: me I deduce um, it down to a few things. Green Bay had a buy. Tampa Bay didn't. Uh, Green Bay the weather that's going to be up there. There's going to be snowfall before the game. Uh, I watching Tom Brady's interview with Aaron's Aaron Andrews after the game, she brought up weather and his eyes got big and he actually reacted to it and talked about how his blood's actually thinned out being in Florida this long. Uh, I just think of the balance of the Packers offense against the Bucks' defense and, and how fluky that first game was uh, and how it really went the Bucks' way uh, for me. It, it, this has felt like a destiny season for Aaron Rodgers and green Bay the entire time. Uh, and it, I, I agree with everything you're saying, and I think this might be one of the first times that Tom Brady looks his age all year.
3: Yeah, I, I have to tell you, though, um, you know, my guys that I work with, the Crackwinds guys, they always get nervous when I give out a size. So this morning before the show, I said, listen, I'm going to give uh, Mr. Lefko a, a side here. And that means we have to give it to my crack wins guys. And they're always nervous They say, oh, my God, we've only done this once this year. So uh, th- this is now, listen, this doesn't mean to make a bigger bet than your normal bankroll bet. So uh, I have made a, a size bet that I'll bet on a college basketball game. As a matter of fact, I did, I did this morning. Is there, so is there a number bet.
0: that if money kept coming in on the Packers and it swelled up where you would find value at the Bucks? You don't play. Now, you don't want to middle? Not. It?
3: Not. I mean, listen. Oh, listen. The reason why I say this is, I say no. There's always going to be a number that comes in at value uh, on on the other side of the game, but but I don't think uh, a number of three, three and a half. I don't think it's moving off this number. I, it, it it it's possible you see some fours by game time. Yeah, I, I feel think, like the but, Super but Bowl and the, again, ca-
0: and the championship games they don't fluctuate that much.
3: Yeah. The only thing I'm thinking is, if anything, I'm thinking that that square fan public base that keeps riding the Brady train bets the bets Brady, and I, I thought maybe it would go the other way a little bit. It's not mm. going to move through the three, but I just think uh, the three is, uh, is is the key number that you have to get also. And uh, uh, go, ahead, go ahead, we we have the next game to talk about, and I'm going to talk about middle that game.
0: Okay, I was also going to say um, when you're looking at props overall with the two games and whether it's catches or yards or touchdowns and all that stuff. What's just a good mindset to have? Because I feel like when I go on, I'm always targeting the people that I think are going to hit over. There allotted a lot of expectations. What's a good mindset for props uh, when there's limited amount of games.
3: It's a great question. And I have a great answer. Just try to put yourself in Joe Public's shoes. They're betting over brady they're betting over. they're gonna bet over you know, on over kelsey
0: statistics everything. and all that stuff they're probably gonna bet over yes. on Stefan diggs they'll bet his Devontae over, adams will diggs be over
3: yes yes
0: and then just go it. the opposite you
3: got it they're gonna be uh, act tor- more towards game time a lot because they're forced to over move when everyone's betting brady over yards Brady. now i don't like betting yards yards yeah you might get big. one Not catch like, very rare
0: and it goes 80 yards
3: yeah very rare but 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 I'm looking to bet. Uh, I'm look that that's right. You just had, you, you hit on the reason why. Uh, you're so, so you would so you, you would say me. for Jesus. receivers,
0: you want to target catches as a prop bet, not yards, because one play could screw you over.
3: I, I will do I will do yards, but I like receptions okay. under. You're you're right. I like receptions over. I like I like even maybe attempts under uh, but uh, i i like i like betting touchdowns under. been betting so under touchdowns oh, for Brady, a lot. Two yeah. and a half oh two and a half touchdowns it looks easy and and sure enough you know, yeah i'll tell you i'll tell you what you messes know, that it, up very a, Q, hard. a
0: qB sneak uh a, a running ball you sure. know what i mean
3: like it could it could be anything sure like that. Yeah, look at look at look at Mahomes' first touchdown last week. I uh, look at the first touchdown of the game. Mahomes ran it in, you know, and, and that, that that's like four to one on the no. Will he get a touchdown? But he did. So when they get down within the five yard line, there they'll hand it off or do some kind of a play there. So catches and, uh, for receivers, listen, hard touchdowns to for touchdowns.
0: quarterbacks. I like
3: this. Quarterbacks under under and more towards game time because even though uh, even though I'm saying this, trust me. The the public loves bending over. They're not rooting no. for unders there, so they're forced to over move the games. The proposition. And when you bets. say good closer uh, to game time,
0: how close are you talking?
3: Maybe an okay. hour before the kickoff, because that's when they realize that their position. The risk managers and the traders say, "Wow, we got a position here. We need. We, we really need the under here. Um, you know, uh, we're going to have to move this to make this some of the sharp guys or just some any guys. You don't have to be sharp." to take some yeah. under money here. Uh, even though they like the, uh, they want to be on, trust me, the sports books, they want to be on all underdogs and of all course. unders on across the board. I also almost.
0: think about how in the daily fantasy market, when you're building these rosters, you're looking at the salaries of these guys. And so Devonte Adams will be that high and Kelsey will be that high. And Mahomes will be that high. And then you go and you look at a prop bet and you go 70 yards for Kelsey. He's going for fourteen grand on, on DFS. Uh, and then I think also you sure. watch all these pregame shows, and they're the only guys that they show. You know what I mean? Like Devontae Adams runs out, then Nate Burleson does like a three-minute soliloquy, and then they do an interview with Devontae Adams. And so you're getting the star in your face for like an hour in the pregame show. And I would imagine that that leads to people going, oh, yeah, Devontae Adams, I'm going to hit the over on that. He's going to have a huge game. Yeah, no doubt.
3: Spot on, spot on. Look what the guys look what they show. They show those marquee players, and yeah, they're not and showing Robert Tunyon. The, you know, uh, no, they pump them up, and uh, it's it's a very interesting uh, thing that's going on. With it's every week though, it's it's but, but especially these these marquee games that are on. Uh, so yeah, so the unders. I like unders on the props. I have to admit. Now, granted, uh, last year in the Super Bowl, I bet I bet a couple overs. What you want to do if you are going to bet an over? You, you, you probably want to bet your overs early in the week and your unders late in the week. That's just a little guide to I go bet, by.
0: I've, I've talked about it enough. I, I went seven of eight on Damian Williams bets, and he ended up being the main guy. because I was just looking, and I was like, one and a half catches like 20-something yards. Like I was trying to go after because it always happens in the Super Bowl. This happened with the Seahawks when Chris Matthews had a big game. It's always the other guy. Uh, Bill's Chiefs, I'm talking around it, middling. Where did you want to go with this game?
3: Well, where I wanted to go with it was as soon as the line came out, everyone's all looking at Mahomes and they're saying, oh, he's not going to play. He was wobbly and went down. Well, even if he didn't play, I don't know if the game could be pick him. Oh, so what right was away, the line? It was a pick'em, pick'em. P- some places had plus one. You could actually. Jeez, the Buffalo Bills one? were favorite. Wow! Yes, opening day plus one. Uh, so I, I, but I laid pick'em a rare opportunity here, and I bet five figures on the game. Uh, I, I laid pick'em just to take Buffalo plus. Three. I was looking for three and a half, but I found some three flats, and uh, I, I just middled this game. What will I think will happen? Well, I so think you got the Chiefs at um, Pick'em we'll and you got the
0: play. Bills at plus three.
3: Yeah. Plus three. Yep. I yep. am and, gonna and be I not
0: have to pick them, for you. I'm gonna live vicariously them. through you. Oh yeah. But the Chiefs are down two <laughs> and then Bucker kicks the game-winning field goal. Oh, wouldn't that be
3: great? The sports book I played at, I bet three thousand dollars four times. Because it was it was pick-em minus one ten. Then you have to wait another full minute, pick a minus 110 again. Then it went to twelve. Then it went to a $1.15. So I just kept on betting at pick them. And, uh, and, and, of course, came back on the other side. And, you know, I never really do that. I just knew this is going to be an opportunity. Uh, because, and not only that, uh, you know, um, one of our friends, yeah. our mutual friends called me too and said it was going to be a good, pl- a good play. And, uh, yeah, so, so going, back to, going back to the game, let me just tell you something. If anything, because now I think Mahomes, that the, I don't know if you've ever had a pro football doctor yeah. on, on your show, Dr. Chow. Okay, so Dr. Chow, I text him right away. Uh, he's the guy to go to for injuries, so I, I text him right away, and he said, he, he did a write-up, and sure enough, he texted me again yesterday, and yesterday he did a great article on why Mahomes is going to play and, and I think he is going to play. So I don't know how effective he'll be like, like, like his normal self, but I'm sure this guy's such a premier superstar athlete. He was athlete. tweeting after the game, uh, anything I, I
0: think- is possible. I can also say that I know that he was trying to talk to the doctors to let him play, to come back in. This is a guy oh, okay. whose knee was on the side of his leg, and he looked up. Calmly and said, Okay, I need you guys to finish this drive. I'm gonna be fine, blah, blah, blah. I heard that when he got concussed on the field and we saw him wobbly and he's talking, you know what he was saying? He was saying, go get Henny ready. Like that's the presence of mind he has. And so, and so for me, it's like I have no I have no doubt that Mahomes is going to play. I but I also don't want people to think that just because Mahomes is playing, the Chiefs are gonna win. I think this is a very this is a right. very good matchup of teams.
3: It is, it is. I, I have a future for Buffalo, so I'm rooting for them. What and was your future? bet? If I was to actually bet on the game, I bet uh, at the Westgate in Vegas. I bet a um, thousand to win twenty thousand. Uh, will they win? Just just win the division? Just just to get with oh, the conference, World, so, um, oh, the conference. I'm sorry, the conference. Wow. Yeah, just to win the conference. I did bet the division also. Um, Which I gave out to crack wins, guys, also. But I bet the conference, uh, it was just a good, it was really good odds. So uh, I got that. And you know what? I probably, because I already middled my 12 grand, I'm not going, I could have, you know, hedged the bet there, but I'm not hedging that. I'm going with Buffalo because I think, I think, uh, listen, I'll tell you another thing. Think about this. Henny is probably having the biggest practice week of his life. He's really focused on being in that game just in case. Um, and we don't know the official that, that he's playing, so um, I, I think it's going to be a, a really good game. I look forward yes. to that game so much to watching that game, and uh, I'm probably not gonna. Yeah, I'm not gonna do that. I'm just going to keep my side on Buffalo. Hope they win out. Right? And you got and, some uh, money on the Chiefs. as a happen. So here. if
0: they win, you're you're good there.
3: Yeah, yeah. If they win, if they well, if they win and it lands between one uh, one would be ideal. On um, two is a hard number to land on, but one would be ideal. Scoop oh. both sides, uh, but. Yeah, so it, it should be a fun yeah, weekend. Yeah, okay. Well, this, this, really, this will uh, be my last question for you.
0: You have a long term bet That's that'll yeah. turn a thousand to twenty thousand if the Bills win. You have some money on the Bills plus three, but you also have five figures in the Chiefs as a pick'em. So, I guess the answer is whichever side is going to give you more value. Um, but are you watching the game? and You're like, oh, eh, oh, eh. like, are you upset and then happy, or happy and then sad? How do you? What is the range of emotions?
3: You know, it won't even. It probably won't even affect me at all because, like last week, uh, I had I had a player to catch the fir- to, to, to get the first touchdown in the Chiefs game, and and he ran it to the one yard line, and and from the five to the one, he he was the, like the backup running back. I forget I think Williams? it was Damian Williams so, yeah, or so Daryl
0: Williams, maybe.
3: Damian was, was Daryl Williams. Williams. That's it. Darryl Williams. So I had him to get the first touchdown. Now, I never realized until the game was like, until, until the next play that uh, that Mahomes made a touchdown. I said, like, Oh, I forgot to have Williams. He got to the one yard line. Then when my partner said something to me, he's like, Do you know how much money that cost us? I was like, no, I, don't, I don't know. Did it? it $90,000. I didn't even know.
0: That's how, that's how big the odds grand. were on Daryl. Th-
3: listen, I had that 50 to 1. I had 35 to 1 and 30 to 1. I, three different times we bet it. And I didn't even realize. I, I just, I know I bet. I just wasn't thinking about it. And then the game.
0: how did you react so, after you, you were told there. that?
3: Just <laughs> there. ah. seems like all year I'm looking eh, What are you going to do? It just seems like all year we're getting screwed out of the, these uh, first per, first player to score. Do you have so, one of those picked um, out? And, oh, don't worry. We had Gronk in, in the second game. And he dropped yeah, the touchdown. So that's right. We had Gronk 18 to 1, Gronk on the second game and that was the only person all right we well you're due so text ball, me
0: before so. the games who you're picking to score first because i'm jumping on it
3: i absolutely will i absolutely will yeah we're, we're really due for that i'm probably down 20 grand on that uh
0: year. anything um, anything else first, before first we let you score. go crack daddy the crack wins app download it subscribe check it out follow him on it, uh, twitter instagram everywhere that you have apps uh anything before you go
3: that's it, man. I just I uh, appreciate you uh, having me on all season. I look forward to it more than anything. And listen, I broke that exclusive again on your site. Uh, I'm sorry, on your podcast, I broke it. And I'm giving out. Uh, I'm, I'm giving out a game here. I'm, I'm actually going to do that. I'm giving out greenbacks. Give
0: outsides a lot. We'll see what when he does, he does no. it on the go Show. Bill Krakenberger. Right crack daddy. You're the man, dude. Thank you. As always. Uh, let us do a little bit of housekeeping. Uh, first and foremost, uh, we talked about stat hero, uh, last week, uh, and our gambling stuff. Uh, uh, they're not sponsoring us this week, but I wanted to update everybody on how I did. And wouldn't you know it? I beat Stat Hero. Uh, I got it right here. Uh, first and foremost, congrats on beating everyone. I made $20 with my $10 bet. Uh, if you look, he almost kicked my ass with Tyree Kill. But in the end, Antonio Brown got Stat Hero two points. Lamar Jackson got him six and a half points. And my plays of Mark Andrews, Stefan Diggs, and Robert, the Funyan Tunyan, came through for me. And so I, I beat Stat Hero. And I can retire off those $10. See you later, Bleacher Report. Goodbye.
2: <laughs> if you were going to do it again, do you have any sort of, now having seen the process, do you have any like sort of new newfound ideas? For yeah, the I wouldn't
0: time? put a tight end at the MVP spot.
2: <laughs> that was my question. Why, why not Diggs in that spot? I feel like his upside is
0: so much it, higher. It mainly came down to cost like how Andrews was so much lower. It's, it's that problem where you, you, your first pick, you end up going lower to save money for the end. And it's like, yeah, if I would have put digs there, I would have had, I would have destroyed that hero. Right. Right. Uh, right. Somebody hit me up on Instagram and was like, you know, what you should do is just pick all the same people, except change one person. And I was like, ah, it's not a bad idea. Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, but that was a lot of fun, and thank you to them. Uh, so, you came in to last week. Where were you? Eighteen and zero in your ultimate loser. Uh, so, I would assume zero and seventeen. You're zero and seventeen. So, I would assume you made it eighteen in a row. Congratulations!
2: No, this was the biggest bummer. If anyone what? follows me on Twitter, I know a lot of the. 33 percenters out there they do really one of the most disappointing wins a better can ever have i put this out there i've been getting a little too spicy with the underdogs i was going six to one i've been trying to keep it like well under the 10 to one that i was doing not cocky i'm just trying to like trying to trying to ride that wild line trying to feel that rush you know i'm trying to be aerosmith and live on the edge here um and so what I said was it was a it was a triple under touchdown pass parlay, which by the way, crack talking about this he now he's saying that he wins a lot of money yeah. off of this. What were your bets? I had Baker under one and a half touchdown passes, Mahomes under two and a half. Which how are you going to know that a guy's going to get injured midway through a game, right? Like that game could have been a thirty point blowout if Mahomes was rocking and rolling that whole time. Uh, he looked unstoppable in the first half, and then under Tom Brady two and a half touchdowns, which. I just figured, what are the chances that all three of those guys, like not a single one of them has a, a good game? And Baker could put up 40 points with that offense any week. Mahomes could get to five touchdown passes before you can blink. And I thought that uh, it was going to be a shootout against New Orleans. So I was shocked that all three guys went under. And yet they were still both very entertaining games. So
0: 18 and 1.
2: Oh, 1 and 17 now.
0: You're going to end up finishing like the Patriots in 2007.
2: I'm the reverse Patriots of 2007. Yeah,
0: thanks for rubbing that Yeah, no, that's the reason I did it. Um, I know, I know. uh, I'm just looking right now. It is interesting that right after Crack says, I really make a lot of money betting the under some touchdown passes, that that's what you actually (laughs) hit them all. Um, I don't have any of the props up yet. They'll probably come in later uh, for like touchdown passes and all that stuff.
2: I have a couple if you're interested. Yeah, because I
0: might make them one of my like-love lists.
2: Well, I, I loved what Crack was talking about with uh, talking uh, betting on receptions versus yep. yards. So for Devontae Adams, right, he's obviously the guy that everyone's going to be looking at. His over-under for receptions, you want to take a guess?
0: Seven and a half.
2: That's exactly Holy it. Nice call.
0: Shit. I wish I could make money on guessing lines. Seven and because a half is thing, a lot.
2: Seven and a half. Right. It's a lot. And you, and you think about it, Devonte Adams, someone like him, he could have a massive impact on the game if he goes six catches for 120 yards, right? Which is totally plausible.
0: Okay. That's a good one.
2: Whereas his receiving yards, what would you say that's going to be?
0: Uh, 84 and a half.
2: 87 and a half. That is fantastic <laughs> work by you. You didn't look no, at this.
0: I, I just told you I don't have them anywhere. Okay. This is great. What about, can you look up Stefan Diggs?
2: Yeah, actually, it's really interesting right now. The only people that you can get props on, as of right now, we're recording on Wednesday, so I'm sure yeah, things will course. change Thursday, Friday, Saturday. You can only get reception numbers and receiving yards numbers for Diggs and Singletary. No one on the Chiefs has a line yet because we're not 100% sure that Mahomes is playing.
0: Okay, so I'm going to put Diggs's catches at eight and a half.
2: He is at seven and a half, same as uh, Devontae Adams. I
0: actually feel more comfortable betting Devontae Adams under than Diggs because I've been able to talk to people that know Buffalo's offense really well. And the reason that Diggs is having such a monster year this year is I've been told that Brian Dayball has gone to Josh Allen and said, work through the progression, but always just look at Diggs first. And if he's open, give him the ball. And so if you look, mm. Diggs has had about eight or eight catches almost every single week. Like he, he is consistently at that number where Devante sometimes has four or five, but for a monster yard output. So if I was going to bet one under between them, it would be Adams over Diggs. Um, okay. And then um, interesting. Diggs is
2: receiving yards, by the way, is 94 and a half. Wow.
0: That's so high.
2: That's a lot of yards, yeah.
0: Yeah, and and people are like, oh, I'll go over a hundred. Okay, that's a really interesting one. we don't have Kelsey's numbers. Do we have touchdown passes yet for any of the quarterbacks? Not name a homes.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh we have Josh Allen, two and a half. Actually, everybody's at two and a half. Brady Rogers and Josh Allen all at two and a half right now, which feels like the right number. Okay.
0: I think I know which ones I'm gonna do.
2: Are you gonna share with us? Or are you gonna I'm keep I'm writing it under them half?
0: down. I'm writing them down. All right, all right. Devante <laughs> catches seven and a half um okay any other ones that you saw that were interesting
2: this is a stupid one but i like like it leonard fournette to score two plus touchdowns at 1200
0: plus 1200 shit i mean the way he's playing playoff lenny right now
2: i i just think like I've seen year after year watching Brady that he gets into these little groove, these little like uh, these little security blanket grooves. Like it went to Kevin Falk for a while where every time on certain like third and fourths he would go to Kevin Falk every time. And then for a while, obviously we know it was Julian Edelman. For a while, it was Danny Amendola. For a while, it was Wes yeah. Welker. For a while, it was like David Givens. And they're like, if he just loves Leonard Fournette right now and just trusts him, you got the running and the passing, right? Two plus touchdowns at 12 to yeah. one. I don't know. I liked it. It's a stupid one, but as I said. All right,
0: I'm ready. My list is going to be, apparently all of my bets are going to be in the packers brooks game because who knows what's going on with the Chiefs right now. My list, my least liked of the three, is going to be Tom Brady under two and a half passing touchdowns. There it is. My like will be Devontae Adams under seven and a half catches. And my love is going to be the Packers minus three. That w- Those will be my three bets. Uh, Brady under two and a half touchdowns. Adams under th- seven and a half catches. Packers minus three. Um, I just, I don't, of all the quarterbacks that I think could have a bad game, Brady is the one that I'm circling. And I'm not saying bad like he's going to lose it, but I don't think he, like, Green Bay, like Aaron Rodgers could light up that Bucks defense. Uh, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes. It, I just, the same reason I'm taking the Packers, the same reason I'm betting against Brady.
2: Yeah, for sure. I By the way, I know Crack was saying that it's difficult to land on two points. I feel like I know how it's going to happen, so I just need to put Please it out there on the podcast. It. So that I, if it happens, you can clip it. It's going to be 28 to 20. And the Bills are going to do a drive with about 45 seconds left, score a touchdown, and not get the two-point conversion. They're going to lose 28-26. I just, As soon as he said it's impossible to land in two points, I had this vision of a 28-20 score. And, uh, yeah, I I could see that happening. So when I'm correct, I'll put this clip out. And And
0: you will be putting at David Ingber 1 your loser bet for this Sunday.
2: Yeah, but it just won't be the same. You know, losing that streak really hurt me. Well, listen,
0: we do not stop. When the road gets tough, we power through. We need you to finish 19 <laughs> and one, just like the Patriots did where they finish 18. And I one? will
2: do my, I will do my absolute worst. Yes. They, they finished 18 okay. and one. So I, I could get, I can one up on them. I'll be one in 19.
0: That's what we've always been trying to do. Uh, thank you to Brian Westbrook. Great to talk to him. Thank you to crack daddy. As always download the crack wins app, follow both of those guys on social media. Let them know how awesome they are for David Ingber.
2: I saw that the Saints have closed out now a four-year span. This is from ESPN Stats and Info, where they won 49 regular season games. That's the most in a four-year span without making the Super Bowl. And I just want to shout out to really great teams that didn't win a championship, right? There were some really great teams, and just because you didn't get a ring, it doesn't mean you were a failure. You're a great great group of guys. We're going to remember you as a great era for that team. Uh, The fans, they got excitement every single year. They got to watch playoff football. And uh, we have this obsession with championships. And I get it. Championships are what it's all about. But there's something to be said for a team that was consistently great for a nice long window.
0: And that's why we finish all of that up with Jameis Winston. That's why it's so great is, oh, they couldn't get it over the top. There's one thing you can do to get you there, Jameis Winston. I agree. It's it's a weird, it, it also though goes to, to Drew Brees's career. Um, it, it just doesn't seem like they can get it done. Uh, I'll, I'm the L-E-F-K-O-E man. I don't think I've told this story yet. I was reading in a book recently. It was like the author of Fahrenheit 451, or is it 451? Bradbury. What's his name?
2: Fahrenheit 451, Ray Bradbury, I think is his name
0: so there's the story of him and another author whose name i'm forgetting at a at a billionaire's house in suburban new york uh and the one author looks at the fahrenheit 451 bradbury and he goes you know what's sick is this guy last month made more than you have made on all of your books put together and they are literary staples And the one author looks at the other and goes, yes, but I have something that he doesn't have. And the author explains, what could that possibly be? And the first author says, enough. And that's what I would like to say to everybody after a gambling episode. If you're up, if you're in the stock market right now, and you're like, I want to keep it in there. If you're playing poker with David Ingber and you're still listening to this podcast and you're like, I'm finally (laughs) rubbing it in his face. Don't be greedy. It's okay to know that you have enough. And the same thing goes in life. You're going to constantly be moving the goalposts back. Oh, I achieved my dream. Let me go for more. Oh, I got money. Let me get more. Oh, I found a great person to be my partner, but I think I could do better. Learn to be happy with who you are and what you have, and everything else will be the cherry on top. Enough is not a word of quitting. It is a word of satisfaction. And that is how I'm going to end this one. Thank you guys so much. I am the L-E-F-K-O-E man for David Ingberg, Crack Daddy, Brian Westbrook, and all of the amazing production people at Bleach Report getting it done on a daily basis. This is the last time that you will see me on this camera with this background. We are retiring the background. And the next time we're on camera, I will be in the amazing state of Georgia. It is on my mind. Love you guys. We will holler at you later. Peace.